mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today with retailers pushing their holiday deals out earlier than ever or starting their shopping already, what is popular and trending for Christmas in 2022? What, you say you're not in the mood yet? Well, here's something to get you into the holiday spirit. The Community Foundation is bringing a little early Christmas cheer to this week's Downtown Art Walk event. To Your Health This Morning, an ongoing study by the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research is helping scientists better understand the disease and its earliest symptoms. And happening around town, small steps with a big impact. We have details on next week's Hops for Hope Homelessness Awareness Walk. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Today is cliche day. Uh, so speaking cliches today. Um, give someone a dollar day today. Just randomly give someone a dollar. Just for the heck of it. National Housewife Day, National Sandwich Day, and it is World Jellyfish Day today as well. So reasons to uh, reasons to celebrate. Here's another reason to celebrate. Uh, Starbucks is rolling out their uh, holiday drinks and their holiday cups. As of today, you can order everything from the peppermint mocha to the chestnut praline latte. It is also the 25th anniversary of the holiday cup, which has been a become a uh, Starbucks tradition. They have four new, new designs this year. So check that out today. Uh, we mentioned it is uh, Sandwich Day, and uh, I saw this. Where is it now? I got to find this. Uh, Subway is giving away free sandwiches. Uh, yeah, here's the story. A popular fast food chain giving away 10,000 free sandwiches today for National Sandwich Day. Subway commemorating the occasion by giving away free subs, but there is a catch. To get your free sub... You have to submit a photo of yourself sitting in the middle seat of an airplane. (laughs) That seems very specific. Sitting in the middle seat of an airplane, sandwiched, get it, between two other people. You have to upload your photo at subwaysandwichseat.com. And you can maybe get a, uh, a free sub. If you don't want to go through all that trouble just for a free sandwich... Subway is also having a buy one, get one free deal. There's that. Um, but anyway, uh, what else is going on? It is that time again. This Sunday, we uh, turn our clocks back an hour, uh, 2 a.m. on Sunday to be specific. Most of us do that before we turn in Saturday night and you get that uh, extra hour of sleep on fallback weekend. We've been uh, doing this on and off since 1918. Uh, supposedly to make better use of natural sunlight, conserve energy, and so on and so forth. Although there is some debate as to actually how much energy this really saves. Uh, A lot of folks say we should do away with the whole idea of daylight saving time, uh, just stick with one or the other and make that permanent. In fact, the U.S. Senate actually passed a bill early this year making daylight saving time permanent meaning no more spring forward, fall back. But the bill has not yet gone, uh, gotten through the House. And I'm surprised this has not been a bigger issue 
uh, in the uh, election cycle. I mean, really, I think we've been missing. We've been talking about inflation and crime and, you know, all of these other things when what we really need to be talking about, what's really important here is uh, eliminating daylight saving time. We that's what we really should be talking about. And we just aren't. So, uh, Speaking of political debates, this was kind of interesting. All week long, we've had these stories about the uh, differences between men and women, various uh, various things. We've had a couple of health stories and, and things like that. Here's another difference between men and women. According to research conducted by the Rochester Institute of Technology, they found that women get fewer opportunities to speak their mind on various news platforms. I mean, whether we're talking about CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, doesn't matter, across the board, by using artificial intelligence uh, computer methods, they analyzed more than a quarter million transcripts from news talk programs and found that female speakers uh, got out 73 words for every 81 words a man spoke on these programs. (laughs) They just can't get a word in edgewise. Um, Women interrupted men more than men interrupted women, but they had a better but men had a better ratio of benign interruptions as opposed to intrusive ones. Uh, women interrupted in 39.4% of dialogues. Men interrupted in 35.9% of dialogues. And the bottom line is, even though they were interrupting more, they were getting fewer words in for every word a man got in. Just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, make of that what you will. Um... Other things uh, on the uh, list of most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your day. Every day we have to have something to be worried about. Earlier this week, the uh, story of the, was it yesterday? We had the story of the uh, planet-killing asteroid that is uh, crossing Earth's orbit, even though Earth will not be in that part of the orbit when it goes by. So we're worried about that. Uh, Today, what we are worried about are owl attacks. Which, which are apparently becoming more common. Owl attacks. Apparently, uh, there is a uh, runner's group on Reddit that have posted stories about aggressive owls. And uh, the uh, city of uh, Seattle, Washington, has uh, put up warning signs in the parks about aggressive owls. Biologist Jonathan Slott says barred owls are aggressive birds and highly territorial. They nest in trees and may be more aggressive right around this time of year. Um, Well, more aggressive right now, not just this time of year, but this day and age, because forests are shrinking and they have fewer natural habitats. So they're being uh, they're highly territorial already and becoming even more so because there are a few places, fewer places where they can nest. If they are kind of amped up and a fox walks by or a deer walks by or a human walks by, they will pop down and try to chase it off. (laughs) So (laughs) owl attacks are (laughs) this is the latest thing we have to worry about. Owl attacks. 
Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Slot, the uh, biologist here, says wearing a hat and walking in a different area can help prevent injuries from barred owl attacks. So barred owl uh, attacks. And we have those uh, in the state of Ohio. I don't know that I have heard uh, a whole lot of stories in Ohio of uh, increased owl attacks. But be on the lookout. <laughs> increased owl attacks. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, we don't have shark attacks in Ohio, so we have to have something, you know? Don't want to be entirely left out of the fun. Being attacked by wildlife. And uh, how about this story? I saw this and literally left me shaking my head. I saw this story and I just literally started shaking my head. Because apparently you can become a celebrity for anything these days. And I blame the internet, but this is beyond the internet. Uh, It's just a guy in Philadelphia who is becoming famous for well here's the story a philadelphia man is inviting spectators to watch him eat his 40th rotisserie chicken in as many days (laughs) this is what he's becoming famous for apparently he has printed up flyers and posted them all over the philadelphia area directing anyone who wants to watch to go to the abandoned pier near walmart on november 6th (laughs) So that's, uh, what, uh, Sunday? Is that uh, the 6th is Sunday, right? So it's happening this Sunday. Um, Chicken lover Alexander Tominsky, who goes by the handle AlexIconTom on Twitter, has documented his poultry eating journey in photos and posts for quite some time. Uh, And apparently he's very serious about this. And has uh, garnered quite a following. See, I blame the internet. He says, quote, I felt kind of selfish to keep it all to myself, so I figured I might as well invite the city. He hopes that viewers will come and silently observe the consumption. (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm wrong. uh, But Philadelphia's got, like, uh, the World Series going on. They've got a football team that's undefeated and plays tonight. And uh, all of that. But no, he's expecting people to come out to watch him eat his 40th rotisserie chicken in 40 days. This is this, this is what passes for fame only in America. Someone uh, achieve fame and fortune by eating 40 rotisserie chickens <laughs> on 40 days. I, again, I blame the internet. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Skies will become mostly sunny today, a high in the low 70s. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a uh, low in the mid 50s. Ohio Lieutenant Governor John Husted was in Finley touring Millstream Career Center. The Lieutenant Governor was impressed with the operation when we spoke with him after the tour. So the employers of this area are already hiring people that are here, many of the students, and uh, this is a great way for them to earn credentials, have a career before they leave high school. 
Uh, Lieutenant Governor highlighted Millstream's use of the state's innovative workforce incentive program, which increases opportunities for high school students to earn industry-recognized credentials. See video on the website. Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, the two candidates vying for Ohio's U.S. Senate seat that'll be left open by the retiring Rob Portman, participated in a town hall event. They took the stage to discuss everything from inflation to immigration. Both candidates also talked on the divisive political climate. This extremist movement absolutely needs to be confronted. Absolutely confront and absolutely stop the extremist movement happening. I happen to think the biggest threat to American democracy today is big technology companies in bed with the communist Chinese who are censoring information about American politics. I'm Tracy Townsend. Election Day is coming up on Tuesday. The three biggest retail pharmacies have tentatively agreed to pay at least $12 billion to settle opioid lawsuits. State and local governments accuse CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart of mishandling opioids and downplaying the risk for addiction. Authorities say they will use the money to fight the opioid crisis, which has claimed more than a half million lives in the past 20 years. ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. The city of Finley says the city's water condition is safe, even though it's taken on an earthy taste and odor. The city says that's due to a mechanical failure, but it points out that the water is safe to drink and will not cause any adverse health effects. The city anticipates the issue to be resolved and taste and odor to be normalized within a day or two. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, I guess it's time to start talking about this because surveys show many folks have already started their Christmas shopping and retailers are pushing their Black Friday deals out through the entire month of November this year. Well, each year, Cotton Incorporated's Lifestyle Monitor Survey asks buyers how they plan on tackling their gift giving to offer brands and retailers sort of preview of consumer intentions. Melissa Bastos is a director of corporate strategy and insights for Cotton Incorporated. Melissa, give us some of the results from uh, this year's survey. Sure. Thanks for having me. I think some of the interesting things that we've seen this year, first of all, is just that consumers are excited to get back out into the physical stores so that they can start to touch and feel the items that they're going to be buying, the clothes, other things they're looking for, but also just to experience the holiday decorations, the the smells of holiday spices, just to really get them in the mood for shopping this year. Because a lot of people have had to put off some of their traditions over the past couple of years, and they're really ready uh, to bring those back this year. Obviously, as we referenced, uh, the other surveys have shown that uh, consumers in many cases have already started their shopping. Is that because of inflation, uh, supply chain issues, uh, people worried that uh, what they want is not going to be available, uh, or is there something else at play here? Well, what we've seen through our, our history of our research is that a lot of people, there's those that try to get ahead of it, and they're, some are 18% say they shop all year long. 18% tend to shop from January to September. But most consumers are shopping October, November, and December. And this year we have seen some shopping a little earlier to try to take advantage of some of those deals because inflation is a concern for consumers. They are looking at, you know, their wallets and how much they have to spend. So they want the deals and the promotions to try to stretch their money to help that go farther. 
So there are some that have been out in October, but what we've really seen an increase for those planning to start their shopping this month, about more than a quarter of shoppers say they're going to get started this month. And I know that I'm on that list. That's where I'm going to be starting too. So Black Friday will be important this year. We do see about 56% say they're planning to shop Black Friday, whether online or in-store. And the younger shoppers, about 60% say they will be online shopping Black Friday this year. So those are going to be some important dates too, including Cyber Monday for shoppers this year. No question, as they always are. So what gifts are trending this holiday season? What do consumers say that they are are buying, uh, that they're looking for? What do consumers say that they want? Well, the top of their list is clothing. 57% say that's uh, what they're going to be buying, friends and family. Then we have the gift cards next toys, and then electronics. Electronics has decreased a little bit from last year, but we have seen clothing increase, and this is an area where we know the consumers say they can kind of fit it into their budget depending on where it is, but also they want to buy things that are cozy and comfortable for their family. And we even asked shoppers say, hey, if you're buying for yourself, what kind of clothes do you want to receive as gifts this year? And we know that T-shirts top the list. 51% say that would be a useful item for them. Pajamas and jeans are at the top of the list. So they want cozy and uh, comfortable. And they also said cotton-rich would be important because that means it would be comfortable, that it would be soft, breathable, and quality. So it's something that would last and be worth their money. There we go. I obviously want to make sure that we uh, get the uh, plug in there. Uh, so, you know, what's interesting in hearing about some of these uh, results, much of it is maybe not surprising. It sounds pretty familiar to perhaps what we have uh, heard in, in previous years. Were there any surprising results, things that really stood out to you from this year's survey that maybe you didn't necessarily expect or that you haven't seen before? Well, we're kind of looking at, you know, are they intending to spend more or what are they looking um, to buy? We do know that clothing has been on the list, but we know this year maybe it's a little bit in terms of inflation, what we see prices for clothing hasn't, they haven't increased as much as other items. Interesting. But consumers tell us that in terms of spending, is for spending for clothing, they're planning to spend about $323 on clothing. That is similar to what they were planning to spend last year. So that means that they're going to kind of stick with what they're spending, but if even prices are increased a little bit, they are going to have to watch their money. They're going to make sure that it goes farther to get all the gifts they want. They're planning to buy for about six people on average, so they do want to make sure they can get the things that are going to, to last, be useful, and, and you know, things that their, their family appreciates and can use. Again, Melissa Bastos is uh, Director of Corporate Strategy and Insights for Cotton Incorporated, talking about the uh, Lifestyle Monitor survey they do every year uh, ahead of uh, the Christmas shopping season to kind of give uh, folks a bit of a preview of uh, what the season may look like. And where do folks get more information? You've got more gift ideas and so on and so forth. Sure. If you're looking for some cotton-rich gifts, you can go to thefabricofourlives.com, shop cotton, and that will link you directly to retailers that are offer some of these cotton uh, gifts for you. And then if you're just interested in the research uh, around all the different ways consumers shop and items they're looking for, you can go to lifestylemonitor.cotoninc.com. We'll link it up on our webpage as well. Melissa, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Happy holidays. So a little bit earlier, we were talking about uh, retailers pushing out their holiday deals, some consumers starting their shopping already. 
So, hard to believe we're already talking about Christmas 2022, and if you're saying, I don't know, I'm not necessarily there yet, well, we have something to get you into the holiday spirit. The Community Foundation bringing a little early Christmas cheer to Art Walk this week, which is happening uh, tomorrow. Brian Treese uh, from the uh, Community Foundation is with us, so this is kind of cool. Yeah, so thanks for having us. A couple of months ago, actually, the mayor and I were talking, and she said that one of her dreams was to have ornaments on the Christmas tree. On the city Christmas tree, yeah. uh, In Dorney Plaza, which Mm -hmm. obviously Dale Dorney has a special place as our founder. Right. And so we did a grant to the city of Finley to purchase 300 six-inch ornaments to be decorated by the community and hung up on the tree for the season. That is awesome. And what a perfect time to decorate those ornaments Mm -hmm. than Art Walk. Art Walk has a lot of activities for the whole family. So we will be at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts the entire time of Art Walk, 5 to 9 p.m. Okay. um, With markers and sharpies to decorate ornaments and then you'll get the chance when the tree is lit on november 25th to check it out and try to find your ornament that'll be awesome it's it's going to be fun um we we just want to have fun as a community and Mm -hmm. this is a great way um i'm going to bring my daughter um she is three and a half and as adults we get nervous about you know what will we draw how will it look Mm -hmm. um the kids young people have no fear yeah They know theirs will be perfect no matter what. (laughs) Um, It's just the adults that need to get over it a little bit. That is is awesome. So, uh, again, this will be at the Marathon Center. Uh, You'll have everything all set up, and and you provide all of the necessary uh, equipment, I guess. Yeah, we provide everything that that you need, and then we also have refreshments there. Okay, Um, So you can have a fun start, middle, or end to your evening at Art Walk. And bring the entire family down. Exactly. Get into the uh, Christmas spirit a little bit early there. It should be a good time. That that will be uh, really cool to see those on the the Christmas trees. And we thank the mayor. What a neat idea to have ornaments and, and... and it'll just be fun. Yeah. Uh, we've got a link up for more information uh, about the uh, ornament decorating at Art Walk at our webpage at uh, goodmornings.net. Again, uh, all happening through the generosity of the Community Foundation. Uh, speaking of uh, families and youth in particular, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a, a fundraiser going on uh, right now, uh, specifically uh, targeting youth in the community. Yes. So as a foundation, we believe in two things. First, that every single young person in Hancock County deserves hope. Hope that tomorrow will be better than today. Um, For some, that means maybe I will have a place to live tomorrow or food tomorrow. For others, that might mean that they'll have access to the arts or access to athletics. Um, We believe that every young person deserves that hope. Mm-hmm. Um, second, we believe that every young person deserves at least one place that they fit, that they feel that they can belong and thrive. Uh, so we have launched the Brighter Tomorrows campaign uh, to raise money for youth, uh, to raise money in the Brighter Tomorrows Fund. It's that idea of tomorrow will be better for the young people in our community. And it's purposefully very vague so that it can grow and change as the needs in our community change. In addition, we're raising uh, money for funds that support different places that young people fit. Um, So recently, we've had three funds started. Um, One is for STEM. Cooper uh, Foundation uh, started a fund for teachers to have access to uh, STEM materials for their classroom. Uh, We had somebody start a fund for Youth for Christ. Um, 
And then a third fund recently was an FFA fund. Hmm. Um, so for young people involved in FFA to make sure that there's a permanent source of funding um, for that program. So lots of excitement, lots of talking about how we can together make it better for the young people. It's interesting you mentioned uh, this is uh, deliberately vague when you're mm-hmm. talking about raising money for youth uh, because that was going to be one of my questions. Uh, are there ideas about how that funding will be then put to use? And so you're deliberately leaving it kind of open-ended. Right. With our field of interest funds, the purpose is to make them very broad on purpose Mm -hmm. because the needs that we have today won't necessarily be the needs that we have 5, 10, and 15 years from now. Good point. And since we focus on permanent endowed funds, Mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we set things up for the long haul so that generations from now, it is meeting the needs that are present then. And there's also the reality that we may not know right now what all of those needs. I I think if you were to ask 10 or 20 different people, you'd probably come up with 20 different answers about what is needed within the community to benefit youth. Right. And that's one of the reasons we do community conversations. Mm -hmm. So right now we are winding up that activity because we need to hear from people what matters, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's not a total consensus and the needs of today aren't the needs of tomorrow. And that's a good thing. Of course. Of course. It gives us something to focus on. So when we did it in 2017, The community said, here's what matters, and that gave the foundation the opportunity to say, we can support what matters to you. Mm -hmm. And and we'll do the same thing this time, Uh, but with young people, goodness, who would have thought that some of the activities that exist now would have existed? Yeah. Um, A good example I give is we have a fund, Madeline Schneider, through her generosity, uh, did a totally unrestricted fund. And when she set that up, I guarantee she did not think that some of those dollars would go toward um, the pandemic and supporting folks during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and then whatever the needs are next year, that fund can address. And mm-hmm. so that's why we're flexible so that we can grow and evolve as our community does. So uh, if folks are interested in uh, supporting this uh, youth fund, and again, the name of it is Brighter Tomorrows. Brighter Tomorrows. Uh, that's that's very good. Uh, so how do they do that? What they can reach out to the Community Foundation. Um, you can give us a call or our website is www.community-foundation.com or come see us. We're on the second floor of the Chase Bank Building downtown. Um, follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Somehow get in touch with us. We'd love to talk to you. And the I think it's also important to uh, to point out that you know, we talk about this being a, a permanent endowment, a permanent mm-hmm. fund, you know, moving forward in support of youth within the community. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're going to have to wait a number of years to see the benefits of that. Right. So we have we have policies that are in place. Uh, we have it sit for a little bit uh, just to make sure the market does what we hope the market will do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're not spending um, spending down the fund. Uh, but aside from that, with endowment, it will be there forever. Yeah. And so each year, 4.5% of that fund will be made available to nonprofits doing the hard work. Um, we can support the work that they do because of the generosity of folks that we partner with. That is uh, terrific stuff. So what a great gift to the youth of the community. Again, cycling back to the holiday theme there. Yes. Um, and again, the uh, the ornament decorating is coming up on art, uh, for Art Walk uh, tomorrow. 
Right. right. 5 to 9 p.m. at Marathon Center. Very good. Uh, bring your artistic abilities. And everything else will be provided. We've and, got it all. Uh, and then while you're there, you can maybe learn a little bit more about yeah, uh, love to the talk. Brighter Tomorrow uh, program. That is uh, terrific stuff, and I'm sure we'll hear more uh, as we uh, go on uh, through the 30th anniversary, by the way. Year right. 30, 30 years, you know. It's it's been amazing what we've together been able to do. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Always. To your health this morning, Parkinson's disease is the world's fastest growing neurological disorder. About 60,000 Americans are diagnosed every year. An estimated 1 million people are living with the disease. Now a new research study from the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research is helping scientists better understand what it means to be at risk for brain diseases like Parkinson's. And joining us this morning from the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, board-certified neurologist and movement disorder specialist, Dr. Rachel Dolan. First of all, Dr. Dolan, tell us about this, uh, this study and uh, what you learn from this. This new study is called PPMI, the Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative, and the Michael J. Fox Foundation is leading this study to help researchers understand much more about brain health in general and also about Parkinson's disease. So who exactly gets Parkinson's, how it comes on from its very earliest moments, and how it changes over time. And that information will be key to not only developing better treatments for the symptoms of Parkinson's, but also to eventually getting to a cure and a way to prevent Parkinson's from ever even happening in the first place. So, uh, again, we mentioned that, you know, some of those numbers, 60,000 Americans diagnosed every year, 1 million living with the disease. What are some of the key indicators that are telltale signs? What should people be on the lookout for? Well, many people are familiar with the motor symptoms or the movement symptoms of Parkinson's. Right. So tremor, shaking, slowness, stiffness, problems walking or difficulty with balance. Fewer people know that there are many other symptoms that can go along with Parkinson's. Things like acting out your dreams while you're sleeping, losing your sense of smell, being constipated. And those symptoms can actually, in some people, be some of the earliest signs of Parkinson's disease happening years or even decades before those motor or movement symptoms come on. So researchers are looking to understand much, much more about these risks for Parkinson's, who gets them, how they change over time so that we can intervene at the very earliest moments and stop Parkinson's in its tracks or even prevent it from coming on in the first place. So uh, that is part of this study as well? That's right. And so this study is open to people both with and without Parkinson's, people who may have some of these risk factors or people who are just in general interested in taking care of their brain or contributing to brain health research. It's free. It's easy. It involves really simply just filling out questionnaires about your health and your health experience online every couple of months. So I I do it personally. I can speak to how easy it is. And really, this helps researchers see who is at risk for Parkinson's, how is Parkinson's coming on, and how is it changing over time? I think that's important because some of the uh, earliest symptoms, as you were laying them out, um, are certainly not necessarily uh, universal warning signs. In other words, um, 
you know, some of those signs do not necessarily mean it is a foregone conclusion that Parkinson's is going to be the uh, eventual diagnosis. But as you point out, it, it is uh, so important uh, in, in terms of part- participation in this research that you have those uh, with and without Parkinson's to uh, add to the data here. Right. And it's an important point you make that, you know, smell loss, many people are familiar with that from COVID, right? right but sure. it can even happen as we get older. So these do not necessarily mean that one is, is guaranteed to go on and get Parkinson's disease, but there is a, a strong link there. So by understanding how these symptoms are contributing to Parkinson's, how people do go on to get Parkinson's, if they do, it's helping researchers see what are the very earliest stages of Parkinson's, what are the very earliest symptoms, and how can we stop the disease at that point? So uh, this research is ongoing. Is there a time frame or is this like open-ended, if you will? The study has actually been going on since 2010. So there Mm. are people who've been contributing to PPMI for 12 years. Recently, we've expanded the study to look for more people who have some of these risk factors that we were talking about for Parkinson's, acting out dreams, smell loss, constipation, those sorts of things. It's also really interested in people who are recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, so people who've been diagnosed within the last two years and are not yet taking medication. So by really expanding these groups of people who can contribute to the study, it's expanding the um, breadth and depth of information that researchers will have available to learn more about the disease. So how do folks uh, learn more and possibly uh, participate in this? People can learn more and they can get involved by visiting michaeljfox.org slash ppmi. Again, from the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, board-certified neurologist and movement disorder specialist Dr. Rachel Dolan with us this morning. Dr. Dolan, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Have uh, another postscript on the all of the Halloween madness. It seems, I don't know what it is about Halloween. I guess it's to be expected. It brings out all of the strange people, strange behavior. A Chicago man has been arrested after allegedly handing out weed gummies uh, after running out of candy. <laughs> According to police reports, Jared Phelan distributed bags of um, uh, marijuana gummy bears, marijuana edibles, uh, in South Chicago Heights uh, when kids came knocking on, her, uh, on his door on Halloween. Uh, one dad said, I uh, checked my daughter's bag, my four-year-old daughter's uh, goodie, uh, uh, trick-or-treat bag, and sure enough, found three packets of gummies that uh, smelled like marijuana. Mr. Phelan has been charged with child endangerment. So far, police are not aware of any children having consumed the gummies, but they are asking parents to contact them regarding suspicious packages. Well, I'm out of candy, but I do have these gummies here. That's, yeah, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, here is our dumb criminal of the day. Comes from the great state of Connecticut, where uh, David McCulloch 
is charged with burglary and larceny at an Amazon warehouse. Uh, Authorities say uh, Mr. McCulloch arrested on October 25th. He allegedly stole um, some copper wire from a warehouse. Copper wire is very uh, valuable on the uh, black market because prices have been through the roof. Uh, So he allegedly stole some uh, wire from the warehouse. Uh, Officers did not have much trouble finding Mr. McCulloch because he apparently decided to take a nap in his truck parked within the warehouse. (laughs) Well, robbery is a tiring thing. I mean, you use up a lot of energy when you're robbing a store, robbing a warehouse. I mean, it can be very tiring. He (laughs) was caught taking a nap uh, after uh, stealing the uh, wire. Mr. McCulloch, due in court later this month. (laughs) If he doesn't oversleep. Um, This this is our uh, daily required story out of Florida because there always seems to be a story out of Florida, people doing dumb things. A man arrested for driving under the influence uh, had a unique explanation. And I think the cops have probably heard it all by now. But every now and then somebody comes up with something new. Uh, Blamed his erratic driving on paranormal activity and spirits. Uh, Deputies pulled over a driver uh, whose name is not given in the report here on October 23rd after noticing his vehicle was missing two tires. That's pretty cool. Pretty good clue that uh, something is amiss here. Uh, the <laughs> car was missing two tires. When asked about the missing wheels, the driver said someone had put a curse on him. He claimed his only other option was to set his car on fire. So, rocking a hard place. I hate when that happens. Uh, the man has uh, been arrested on two counts of battery on a law enforcement officer. For resisting arrest, he's also uh, charged with driving under the influence and uh, other charges are pending as well. But <laughs> Paranormal activity in spirits. Place to hex his car. Uh, let's see. This is speaking of uh, uh, car-related stories. A case of road rage. Doan Jones, I think is how you pronounce it. Doan? Dowen? D-O-W-E-N. Is the first name. Uh, Doan Jones is accused in a road rage incident of firing multiple rounds from a handgun at another vehicle with a family of four inside. Um, This is in Rufus, Oregon, where this happened. And what makes this particularly interesting and worthy of the broken news, worthy of inclusion in the broken news, is that uh, Doan Jones is actually Mayor Doan Jones, the mayor of Rufus, Oregon. <laughs> who is who is charged now in a road rage shooting incident? The mayor of the town. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not going to help his re-election campaign. And finally, in the broken news this morning... A contractor in Norwalk, Connecticut, in a bit of hot water for illegally demolishing a home that was almost 400 years old. Uh, The city is pursuing the strictest penalties possible 
against a contractor who was hired for uh, who was hired to renovate the historic Thomas Hyatt House, but instead knocked it to the ground. Oops. <laughs> um. It kind of reminds me of, uh, remember Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where they came in to quote-unquote renovate the house, but what they actually did was demolish it and build something completely new? Maybe that's where he was taking his inspiration. I don't know. City officials uh, ran to the structure as it was being demolished to issue an immediate stop work order, but it appears they were too late. The house, which they have ruled as unsalvageable, was constructed in the year 1677 and was considered the city's oldest structure. They said the permit, the construction permit that was granted to renovate the kitchen, laundry room, and bathroom on the first floor, in addition to constructing a second floor addition over the existing footprint, said nothing about demolishing any part of the house, much less the entire house, uh, completely. Uh, the mayor of Norwalk, Harry Rilling, uh, tells news reporters, I am disgusted by this contractor's actions and want to ensure he knows that when someone violates the city's requirements to issue a demolition permit or get a proper demolition license, there are consequences. What he's taken from us was more than just a building. It was an integral part of our city's history. Uh, apparently, the homeowners... Uh, were also listed as the contractor in charge of the renovation. Um, But here's something interesting. As it turns out, and this is the twist in the story, as it turns out, the home was actually not part of the Norwalk Preservation Trust for historic buildings, as everyone had kind of assumed, because it was so old. Todd Bryant, the founder and president of the Historic Preservation Trust said he is clueless about why someone would demolish such an important landmark, even though it was technically not protected, um, especially because the home was in livable condition. Um, The uh, mayor of the uh, town says we plan to pursue this matter to the fullest extent of the law, including potential civil and criminal penalties. Man, how would you like to be that contractor wrapped up in this? I mean, uh, was there a miscommunication somewhere in this whole thing? I mean, that would that's a bad day right there. That's how you know you're having a bad day when you uh, demolish a 400 year old building, historic building. And now everybody's up in arms. Would not want to be that guy. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Appalachia with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics 
that shape our lives. You remember yesterday we were talking about uh, how significant the uh, price increases are on everything for your Thanksgiving dinner with the holiday now right around the corner. So uh, it's hard to imagine Thanksgiving without turkey, but because of sky-high inflation, uh, some families say that they will be foregoing the traditional main dish for Thanksgiving this year and instead going with a cheaper and more plentiful option, pizza. <laughs> At least this is according to a new survey which notes that the rising cost of holiday staples like turkey and cranberry sauce and all of that Uh, The rising cost, coupled with turkey shortages brought about by the avian flu, are leading Americans to search for cheaper options. Nearly half in this survey, nearly half of people were looking to pizza as an alternative. Um, Now, this is particularly true for those friends-giving gatherings. Uh, The less formal gatherings of people outside of your family. So I can see pizza for something informal like that but i don't know pizza for thanksgiving i get you want to go a little cheaper and all of that but just a run-of-the-mill pizza seems like a little too informal you know it, it should be a special dinner and just pizza doesn't do it for me survey found that one in four americans were passing on a traditional Thanksgiving meal altogether because of the financial strain. More than one-third of those polled say that they are shrinking down their usual turkey day meals to compensate for high costs at the grocery store. So you may get a traditional turkey dinner, but it may not be uh, the serving size, the portion size may be smaller. So maybe have a snack before you go to Thanksgiving dinner to make up for that. Um, 88% say that they are eliminating at least one dish that they usually make for Thanksgiving in order to save money. One in five Americans polled say that they won't be able to cover Thanksgiving this year. And that's actually pretty sad. Uh, 20% say they're not going to be able to to cover the cost. 42% Of the 1,000 people in the poll, 42% say that they have even asked guests to kick in some money to help cover the cost. Um, (laughs) you got to buy a ticket for Thanksgiving dinner now. Uh, 75% say that they will ask their guests to BYOB to help soften the bottom line. That seems reasonable. You know, bring, bring your own drink. Um... It's alcohol or not. I think we've always done that at our at our house. You bring your own drinks and everybody brings a dish, uh, sort of a, a carry-in uh, Thanksgiving dinner. So everybody shares in the workload. But this year, it's not just sharing in the workload to make it a little easier on the host or hostess. It's also for financial reasons as well. Kind of interesting stuff from that survey. Happening around town. I hear one week from today, in fact, is the Hops for Hope Homelessness Awareness Walk. It is being presented by, as you might guess, 
Hope House, and the Finley Brewing Company. Hence, hops for hope. Very clever there. Uh, Lori Poland from uh, Hope House is uh, with us this morning. And uh, we were uh, mentioning this earlier. We said it's small steps with a big impact and it's literally small steps because right. it's i mean this is not like a 5k right you're not uh, it's not a half marathon you're literally walking around the block absolutely yep uh, <laughs> yep that's exactly right people that know me i said do i look like i'm doing a 5k no <laughs> it's an easy walk around a, a city block um uh, part of that is because we know that there has been an increase in visible homelessness downtown and so mm-hmm. to do this homelessness awareness walk downtown just made sense yeah uh, we want the downtown businesses to know that that we we understand we know we see we hear um we are working on trying to figure out what's going on and and to find some solutions so Mm -hmm. it just made a lot of sense you know the other thing that strikes me is that um it it also symbolizes the fact that it, it really doesn't take much i mean there's some people that are just you know on that edge right um and just one small thing going wrong can push them to that uh, so it stands to reason that just a little bit of, of help can go a long way. That's right. And, you know, the common misconception is that all homeless people are not, they, they don't want to work. And so they're, right. you know, this is, but a lot of uh, the majority of folks that are homeless didn't plan out to be that way. And most are working. And most are working, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. We have, and, and of course, of our clientele, over 70% of our clients have some form of income. So it's just the fact that maybe they've had some kind of a, uh, skip in their past, or they just simply cannot find a place that they can afford. And certainly, we know that that is an ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, inflation and the price of everything going up has squeezed uh, everybody's budget. So, again, that that line, we've talked about it on the program before, the number of people who live paycheck to paycheck. Right. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck, it doesn't take too many paycheck um, shattering events. Right car breaking down or you know the refrigerator going on the fritz or whatever to push you into a do we do this uh we fix this we pay the rent or pay the house payment or whatever right and you know uh, it is a a nationwide problem it's not limited to finley ohio right and it's not just folks that are in the lower um financial uh sector it goes from the, the the most inexpensive to the most expensive um housing situations yeah uh, there just is a crisis of housing in our nation right now yeah and as you said with inflation and with uh, the uncertainty of people's jobs you know i when i was a kid you got a job and you worked that job until you were retired or dead exactly and that's just not the case anymore there's a mm-hmm. lot of volatility in the in the marketplace with jobs and that sort of thing and so um you know it's it can be very challenging for folks to get ahead and stay ahead so again, this is where Hope House uh, comes into play. Talk a little bit about how you work to address that problem then. Okay. So we we do have our women's shelter that shelters up to nine women and their children um, mm-hmm. who are homeless, and it gives them a place to live for up to nine months um, so that they can save their resources for when they're back out on their own. Mm-hmm. But during that time, they also work with a case manager who will give them some living skills that maybe they're missing, uh, things like budgeting or childcare, or even uh, they're, we're working with the Ohio St- uh, OSU Extension Office for a Rent Smart program. What are is expected of you as a renter and what is expected of your landlord? You know, mm-hmm. what are... You know, we take for granted, we know all this, but there are people who just don't. They've never um, been given those skills. And Mm -hmm. so we uh, 
feel like we can give them a leg up by giving them that background that will help them be a better tenant and a better renter. Um, and then we have a rental assistance programs um, through the housing office at the family center. Again, uh, addressing people who are homeless in Hancock County, um, helping link them with landlords and uh, assist them in paying their rent on a short-term basis um, with their assistance. They do have to put some skin in the game mm-hmm. uh, to just to help them get back on their feet. And uh, speaking directly to some of the work that uh, that you do for those who are in uh, bad relationships mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, coming off of uh, abusive relationships, mm-hmm. perhaps, uh, again, all of these things that we're talking about that contribute to homelessness are made even more acute uh, when you add that component into Correct. it. Correct. Yeah, yeah all, all of our clients are coming from some type of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so um, the more that we can lessen that trauma for them as they move forward uh, and working with those case managers part of that is part of that plan. And we feel like it's working. You know, if you are successfully cl- complete our programs, 80% of our clients are still housed a year later. So we feel like what we're doing is working. That is uh, so substantial and uh, maybe the most important thing to highlight, that success rate mm-hmm. uh, that you have. 80% mm-hmm. a year later mm-hmm. uh, are, are still housed. So it is it is literally breaking a cycle. Yes, um, and that's funny that you say that. I met with a lady um, this fall, and she wanted to tell her story. And she told us, she told me that she had lived at the shelter when her children were small. Her children mm-hmm. are now adults, but she said, "You literally did break that cycle of addiction and abuse and homelessness that my family was used to. I, that's what my." I lived with and Mm. my children don't live that way and I don't live that way anymore. But she said it was because, you know, a case manager sat down with me when I was ready to give up and said, are you really sure this is a choice you want to make? And she said, by keeping me from making that choice, um, I broke that cycle. And she Mm. said, I wanted to let you know that I'm sure there are days when it feels like it's overwhelming, but at least for me that you broke that cycle. And I mean, this is a woman who lives in our community, who's active in our community. Um, her children are active in, uh, her adult children are active in our community. And so, mm. um, that's really reinforcing the fact that we are doing things correctly. And, you know, we have a lot of resources and we collaborate a lot with others in our community, other nonprofits, um, so that we can best serve other uh, people that live here. That's got to, uh, make you feel so good about, uh, the, the work that you're doing and, uh, makes, uh, everybody, uh, feel, so good about helping uh, support the work that you're doing with an event such as the Hops for Hope Homelessness Awareness Walk. As we mentioned, it is coming up a week from today. Give us the details here. So the walk will begin at 530, but we're excited to have the Chamber Ambassadors there at 515 for a ribbon cutting. Uh, we, As I said, we will walk around that city block, uh, Main Cross to Main, back down to Crawford, and then we will tap the Hops for Hope keg. Um, walkers, uh, it's $25. You can register on our website. Um, if we have T-shirts left, we'll get you a T-shirt, mm-hmm. and then we will get you a coupon for a free Hops for Hope beverage if you're over 21. Right. If you're under 21, you're welcome to have soda or water, but no Hops for Hope for you. <laughs> um, so, and th- this is made possible. We have several people that are supporting us, including Finley Brewing. Um, it was actually Sarah's idea at Finley Brewing for us to do the walk and um, we're hoping to make it an annual event uh, Blanchard Valley Health System uh, downtown Finley and the Convention and Visitors Bureau Marathon Petroleum Premier Bank and the Reinecke family of dealerships and they have um, supported us so that we are able to do this walk and provide the t-shirts 
um, and the beverages. But, awesome. Um, and do some advertising a little bit uh, along the way so that we can reach people and let them know. We're, we're, it's Homelessness Awareness Month, and we just want to raise that awareness yeah. that homelessness is alive and well in our community, mm-hmm. and we recognize that, and we are working on that problem. Yeah, and it is something that we can do something about right. with uh, mm-hmm. events such as this and supporting programs such as uh, Hope House. And how do folks sign up for this? So go to our website at www.finleyhopehouse.org, and you can click on the link there. It'll take you right to the registration. Uh, It's a pretty easy process, doesn't take very long, and um, we would love to see you there. And again, I love the fact that it's just literally right around the block. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll get that part out of the way, and then we'll tap Uh, the keg. Beginning and and ending at Finley Brewing Company, how that is a brilliant idea, right? (laughs) Hops for Hope, the Homelessness Awareness Walk. We've got the link up at our webpage. Go to Good Morning. Mornings.net for more information. And uh, Lori Poland from Hope House with us this morning. Lori, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate thanks so it. much, Chris. Always a pleasure. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, in an era of quiet quitting and the great resignation, How can employers attract and retain the best workers and get their best work? As it turns out, the answer is a question. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.